0: I loved writing it. it. It was interesting because during the first lockdown, I'd been writing um, pieces for one of my young students. He was only 10, um, and so he was a complete beginner. So I said, I'd write him a piece every week, a little little study um, that went from open, almost open strings up to uh, D major and things like that. But I was, I was able to introduce Silver monticello Cello, Collegno, Bartók Pizzicato, False Harmonics. So, Even youngsters can can start playing these
1: things, Uh, and, and then they don't become an issue. Welcome to episode 64 of the Bass Shed Podcast. My name is Ryan Roberts. lemurmusic.com everything you need for the double bass can be found at lemurmusic.com Bases, bows, strings sheet music, accessories pickups, preamps, amps bags, cases, everything you need for the double bass lemurmusic.com TsunamiCables.com. Hands down my favorite cables on the market. You can listen to my talk with the owner of Tsunami Cables, Keith Sticks, on episode 51 of the Base Shed podcast. We talk about the cable company. We also talk about the V15 preamp released by Tsunami. You can use the promo code Shed, all one word, at Tsunami Cables for 10% off. TsunamiCables.com. Trick Fish Amplifiers www.trickfishamps.com. I play their dual channel preamp, the Trilobyte. It is also an AB box and makes doubling on a gig so efficient, and I can dial in a great sound on both instruments. Click the switch, boom, onto the other bass. It's amazing. Trickfishamps.com. Use promo code shed, all one word, for 10% off. Right on the show is double bassist, educator, composer, performer, David Hayes. Uh, I originally came across David from something that was posted uh, on the double bass blog publications. The double bass blog is Jason Heath's blog um and publications you know it's all kind of right there in the name (laughs) but you know i appreciate jason for uh naming it so clearly jason is the host of contrabass conversations that podcast he's a friend of the Bay shed along with his team uh also his team member Trevor Jones is a friend of the Bay shed and so i check into what they're doing regularly uh that's how i came across david hayes uh You can get to Jason Heath's Double Bass blog by going to thebasshed.com. Click on the tab that says Double Bass Resources, and there's a link there. But while I was there, I came across David Hayes' posting about a book he wrote. The book he wrote is called Aiming High, 12 Thumb Position Pieces for the Double Bass. I read a little bit about the book. I was interested. I started looking more into David Hayes and uh, different publications that he has done that led me to his website, recitalmusic.net, that has a ton, a ton of publications um, for the double bass in different... In different kind of uh, you know contexts, the solo double bass. There's publications for two double basses, three, four double bass and piano, double bass and voice. Uh, so I highly recommend stopping by to check out recitalmusic.net. There's so much. Where do I start? You know, um, the UK has a rating system for skill levels that I have not been aware of. Um, maybe it's because of America. Maybe it's because of me. I don't know but I didn't know about it so him and I discussed that and that gives a little bit more insight and a little bit more context to what you're going to find on his website Uh, I highly recommend highly highly recommend stopping by and checking it out there's there's really there's something there for everybody at all levels All right, just a little bit about David. David Hayes has studied the double bass at the Royal College of Music in London and completed his postgraduate studies in Prague with the principal bassist of the Czech Philharmonic Orchestra. No disrespect to the principal bassist of the Czech Philharmonic Orchestra. I, can, I just can't pronounce his name. He has given recitals, David this is, has given recitals and master classes in 20 countries over the past few years and has been a juror at a number of international competitions three times as a chairman. David's collaborative work gained him a prestigious award from David Walter. The Charitable Trust of New York, for his pioneering activities as a soloist, teacher, publisher, and commissioner of new music for the double bass. David works with composers throughout the world to expand the double bass repertoire by commissioning new music and rediscovering forgotten pieces. Since 1983, more than 700 works have been written uh, for David, music from 1 to 20 basses, and from beginner to virtuoso levels. In addition, he has premiered 10 contemporary concertos with orchestra. You know, that's, that's just impressive. Like, I don't care. That's just, that's just crazy impressive. <laughs> uh, David is a lovely, lovely human. Uh, I had a great time talking to him. He has, he's just so passionate about the double bass, the double bass history, uh, and communicating this uh, both through music and to his students. He's going to talk about all that. Here is my talk with double bassist and publisher. David Hayes. David, how are you? Very well, thanks, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, I'm notorious, notorious for screwing up the pronunciation of last names. So (laughs) set me straight. Set me straight right before we get going here. Hayes. Hayes. Okay, great. I can remember that that. I can remember that there's I'm been that. there's been a couple guests. I'm just like, I didn't even touch it. I don't even touch. It. There was a Turkish guy. Uh, he's a friend of mine. But like, I'm like, dude, I have no idea how to say your last name. And we've been friends for years. Yeah, it can be a nightmare, can't it? Yeah, yeah it can. <laughs> how you doing, man? Very well. Very well. And you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thanks for doing this. You you posted you the invitation. I really very kind of you. Oh, man, my pleasure. My pleasure. I was really intrigued by a, a book that I saw you posted on the Double Bass blog, Jason Heath and uh, uh-huh. Trevor over there. They're friends of mine and they're friends of the Bay Shed. Uh, aiming high, 12, uh-huh. 12 thumb position pieces for Double Bass. Um, I do want to talk about this. I also want to talk about a large, large collection of work you have, uh, uh-huh. your website, your publishing company, correct? Yes,
0: that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was snooping around on there. Uh, I have questions about that, too um actually let's start there there's the when it would say the level for some of the pieces on there there was a numbering system I'm not familiar with that what would be yeah. the, like prerequisites for maybe like a level six or seven yeah, in, in the
0: UK um there are some examination boards and we all follow these examinations
1: okay um
0: and in fact I think the exams are exported to about 100 countries it's been going for over 100 years but oh, well. I think not to America. I think maybe oh, some America. Okay. Uh, but something like um, grade eight. Uh, everyone aspires to get to grade eight, which used to be, you know, a very high level. But that would include uh, things like Cimador Concerto, maybe Capuzzi. Um, I think Botticini Reverie is on there. So okay. the level is, is, is just pushing a little bit. So grade one would be maybe first position, mm-hmm. open strings. Um, and you have to play pieces um and uh, scales oral tests sign reading things like that um and because we're we're, i'm in england um and most of our i think most of our um customers are are from uk um it made made sense to to stick with the, the
1: grading system okay okay yeah that was that was fascinating to me because it was helpful when looking through a bunch of pieces i'm not uh well-versed on classical repertoire i'm i mainly play jazz um on on acoustic i also play electric and that's you know popular music all that stuff so when reading through it and you know i am actually in looking for some stuff to be practicing and playing in pieces and etudes and so that was helpful i just didn't understand it and i didn't uh i had never come across that before
0: this, this was something that was interesting with, with Jason and Trevor. We were talking about this. Mm. Um, trying to find what uh, a system which is universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we, I think they decided um, beginner, intermediate, advanced, virtuoso. Yeah. Um, so beginner would be, I think, up to the elephant by Saint-Saëns. Okay. Um, intermediate would be up to Bodice, the elegy. Okay. Um, and it, so it's things like that. So it just gives you an idea. Because yeah. Sometimes yeah people email me and they'll say I can play this piece I can't play that piece can you suggest some some pieces that you publish yeah um and if I I know the the ability that they are um I can suggest pieces but the other thing I I always try to do with the publishing was include um a written program mode so you've got some idea about the piece yeah and there are also also a few pages of, of music yeah um so you at least you can see what grade seven looks like or grade five looks like
1: Right, and now where would you where would you rate the Aiming High book?
0: Oh, so that's beyond grade eight, really, okay. because that's, that I think I put it into. Um, I think it's intermediate. I, I think I put it for the uh, base log publications. Okay, um, it's, it's it's sort of intermediate advanced. It's it's not it's not so difficult, but if you're not well versed in thumb position it's really quite
1: difficult sure sure you have to at least have that together yeah i had looked at the the kind of excerpt that was up there and i'm like okay like rhythmically this doesn't seem too challenging the little clip you know that was up there i think the highest note i saw was an f um yeah it's i I kept it fairly simple
2: yeah um,
0: because i knew the next book was going to be harmonics
1: okay so so i didn't
0: really use too many harmonics right um but i've been a teacher for 30 some years, I can't remember now. Um, <laughs> but I know what works. I know, sure. and hopefully, in my music, I can hide all the technical issues right. in the music. So the students don't know they're learning technical things. Sure. But the teachers can see straight away. Right. Um, right. And, and we, we play, as you know, we play handshakes. So I'm always thinking about where I am on the bass, which notes I've got in my hand. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that they, they really are useful. Um, just to learning the geography of the fingerboard, working on different keys, different handshakes.
1: Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I almost, I almost kind of held off on having our talk until I got a copy of the book. I was going <laughs> to order one because I wanted to play through it and have some, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some context for it, mm-hmm. uh, some firsthand working. I still plan on getting a copy. It looks interesting to me.
0: I, I loved writing it. it. It was interesting because during the first lockdown, I've been writing um pieces for one of my young students he was only 10. okay um, and within a few months we went into lockdown so all the lessons were online yeah um and so he was a complete beginner so I said I'd write him a piece every week a little little study um, and I think I, I wrote 12 um that went from open almost open strings up to a uh, D major and things like that but I was, I was able to introduce so Monticello, Cello Collegno Bartok Pizzicato false harmonics. Okay. So, even youngsters can, can start playing these things. Nice. Uh, and, and then they don't become an issue. Right. Um, because when I was learning, you just, we just did and, you know, traditional <laughs> yeah. things. and there's nothing wrong with it. It's still great music. You know, it, it, it is. It's
1: it, it's, it is. And the way that Samandal has organized all mm. that foundational information is really concise. Um, I think playing through just the, exercises in the book can be a little dry you know i think
0: he was a pioneer of his day yeah, yeah, he yeah. Suddenly put all this music together but but we did all these studies and i don't even remember it being boring i just remembered you know i, I couldn't wait for the next one I, I was yeah i was so excited but but in 2022 i right. do agree it's it's complete times have changed
1: yeah yeah i mean i think i was going through it uh i i, I gravitated to acoustic double bass uh later in life i think it was 20, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was I was already playing professionally on electric, but then I really dove deep into double bass. Um, That transition was difficult because, I mean, I I, do play electric bass. No, I have no. to do okay. There's because there's in your mind you can get ideas out, and it's not that physically demanding, and you don't have to yeah. deal about intonation and all these things. <laughs> and so, you know, then just playing a G major scale just sounds awful, and it was really <laughs> discouraging. <laughs> uh, so there was that when I was going through it, but yeah, I used to slave away at that and some other etude studies. Uh, yeah, yeah. So
0: I, I started. So this became the Adventures of George. Mm-hmm. Um, and Susan Hagen, my great friend in, in Boston, um, she asked me if I'd write um, a book a little bit more advanced. So it's using the position around the neck. silver okay. class. So that became George's Grand Tour. No. Um, and then she asked me for another book, which was going in and out of thumb position, because that was okay. another issue. Yeah. So that was um, Scaling the Heights. Yeah. Uh, and then she asked me for Aiming High, which was just thumb position. And then I've just
1: finished... Um, Face the final frontier which is all harmonics okay okay now uh, now when you're when you're uh, consolidating the information to get in and out of thumb position how much do you pull from the Petraki stuff
0: I well we use all the, the handshakes he uses which are are and again he was a pioneer because um, a, a friend of mine said he didn't devise anything new but he mm. brought it all together sure because I can remember when I was playing in thumb position, we had no idea what we were doing at the time. This was early 1980s. Okay. Uh, And we didn't use thumb really, apart from on harmonics. And then suddenly this book came and there was a system and there were hand shapes, and it started to make sense. Yeah. And I use all the hand shapes now with my students, plus some more I devised as well. Um, So in and out of thumb position, I'm I'm thinking about, I, I mainly work in scales, because these are teaching pieces. Sure. So I'm always thinking in, scale, in terms of scales and arpeggios. Yeah. But also how to make it interesting. Right. Um, And what was what I, I quite liked with um, scaling the heights. I did 24, so it's one in every major and minor key. Um, and the key dictated the, the sort of style of music, mm-hmm. uh, which was nice. But I, I found I was writing happy pieces for major keys and sad oh. pieces for minor keys. I sure. changed it around. I changed it around. And okay. I wrote a piece. I think it was B flat minor, it's happiest piece I've ever written. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it, uh, but it was, it was so interesting to find new ways of, of saying the same thing. Sure. Um, but but I, I was really pleased that he, each key has its own peculiarities or things to commend it. Um, so that was interesting. I, in fact, I was teaching um, a student today, one of my adult students, he was playing Three of them today, and and I'd forgotten about. You can't remember what you
1: write, right?
0: Um, And we were playing through. I said, "These are not so bad."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, what? What did you? uh, How did you extract a happy piece from a minor key?
0: Um, I think it was the rhythm. Okay. So it doesn't sound minor, even though it is. It's right. um, it, It was interesting how. Even a, a flat key, you know, five flats. Yeah. If you write it in the the, the, the best register um, and it's moving by step, it can still sound really nice. Yeah. I can remember Simandle in D flat. was horrible. <laughs> like it, because it was just a, an etude. Right. Um, but I, I tried to, to make the musical as well so that students didn't realize
2: what they were sure. learning.
1: Sure. I, I think that's... Uh, That works on a couple frontiers because you not only realize, you don't realize what you're learning, but you're also practicing musicality and you're Uh not necessarily just focused on phrasing or uh, a musicality thing. When what you're practicing is a musical piece, Uh then you're automatically getting that out of it and that's uh, automatically more beneficial than just sawing away at scales in different patterns. The one thing
0: I tell my students always is to always always make a good sound and and always shape and mould every phrase. Sure, because it's the best piece in the world. So if you can make a scale sound like it's Mozart when you right. play Mozart, it's really easy. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's, it's already there. But yeah. the, the quality of sound and the musicianship is to me is is so important. It's something I I teach all the time, whatever level of student. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I want them to to really make music because I always say um do you want to be a musician or do you want to be a bass player and a musician will play the music and a bass player will play the notes right Um, and i want my students to be musicians
1: yeah yeah how did you is this how you got into composition was through writing practice practice exercises for yourself or for students
0: oh no I, i i always thought i had no no skill i've only been composing for nine years okay um I, I went for a job, I, it was Head of Strings in Birmingham, mm. Royal Conservatory there. And I got down to the last two and I didn't get the job, uh, but it's all fair and square, it's all really good. Well, with hindsight, it was the right decision. So I had some time on my hands um, and I just thought, I'll, I'll start writing a piece for each of my students, but okay. nothing to lose. Yeah. So I, I wrote a, a piece for each of them and I showed them to other friends and I said, oh, I, I like that, could I have a copy? And then somebody else said, would you write me a piece? I, yeah, of course I will. I've got no. nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I, I think in my early 50s, I, I just did it and I started writing. And then suddenly I, I, I thought, wow, yeah, I enjoy writing this. And I've, I've worked with so many great composers and I've edited so much music that I think I've had the best tuition that money hasn't paid for. It's, it's right. absolutely amazing, right. really. Um, what is, because, oh, go ahead. Go ahead because i've always made music work again that's something you teach your students sure sometimes you have a piece which piece which doesn't quite work but your job as a musician is to turn lead into gold yeah yeah and that's what we have to do it's it's you know often on a
1: daily basis yeah 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 exactly Mm -hmm. exactly um i forgot what i was gonna ask now sorry no no no. don't worry about it don't worry about it uh let's rewind let's rewind when did you start playing What's kind of I your was, musical background? Yeah,
0: but, um, there was no music in my family at all. Yeah, really? uh, But my, my nan had a piano. Okay. So I would always play the piano. And uh, when I was about six or seven, I started playing the recorder and guitar. And then I went to, we call it secondary school, age 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I started playing the drums. And then at age 14, there was a notice. And it said, free double bass lessons. I think, was, I think it was double bass and bassoon. Okay. had no, no bassoon or bass player so i went to a meeting and um, i signed up they all, all the lessons are free in those days and uh, the government paid for them and um so i just started the next week and and once i i picked up the bass i knew that was it that that was yeah. I, I played lots of instruments but this was it. it and it was like i always say it's like a drug yeah um, and it's like I'm an addict. And it, it's got worse. Never mind. <laughs> so no, it does. It,
1: it escalates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was
0: age 14. Okay. But also, also in my day, there were no mini basses, no small instruments. Okay. So you had to be a certain height mm-hmm. to play the bass we had at school. You know, right. it's as simple as that.
1: Now, um, I remember school basses uh, were not the most. <laughs> Easy bases to uh to navigate, <laughs> you know the forty year old strings or something, and minimal upkeep kept in terrible climate conditions. And the well, base basses-
0: I played on had gut strings, but really old gut strings. Um, and you know when they start unwinding? Yeah, it was it was like that. Oh man! Um, but and I I think my, my dad bought a base for me. I think it it was um what was it two hundred dollars. Okay. Um, I think he bought it from school, and then I think he put new strings on it, and yeah. and it sounded okay. And then he bought another one for me. That
1: must it, have just felt like magic, huh? When you got like your first set of new to have your own strings. Oh well, yeah, that I, and like have new yeah. strings on it, like oh my <laughs> gosh, oh my gosh, like it can feel like this. This is amazing. <laughs> but it, it,
0: I, I, I think I, I just didn't care. I just loved it. I.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: nothing would have stopped me if I'm honest. I love it. Uh, love it. It's, yeah. it's amazing <laughs> it, when you look back. And you think about yeah the terrible instrument, terrible strings, probably terrible bow as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I didn't know that. And I, right. I just loved lessons. I'm still in contact with my first bass teacher. Oh, really? Yeah, we met up again last year. <laughs> um, I hadn't seen him for a long time. And he was great. He was, he was always enthusiastic. Um, and he, he just gave me what I needed. I, I think I had natural ability. Mm-hmm. and I just needed guiding. I, I didn't know anything. But but he was fantastic. He he, he really started me off well
1: nice nice um, um what kind of so you were going through samando then after samando what did you get into in your early well, days it was
0: samando because that was the only book we had at school yeah it, so that was
1: were you working on any kind of pieces in yeah, conjunction with so, that? so again we we worked through the grade system so we had
0: um pieces from again in 1974 there wasn't much published for bass yeah. really not not much music for younger players um There was some music by Ida Carroll that you've probably never heard of. She was a bass player, a bit of a composer in in the UK. And she published a few pieces, um, but there really wasn't very much at all. Um, but the, the associated board, these, these were the exams we did. Um, and they produced a syllabus for all the instruments. And, And you could see all the pieces on the, each grade. And you had to choose three pieces from each, there's three lists, one from each, each list. Uh, and once I, I I got a copy of that, I just started buying everything on the book, everything yeah. for double bass. Yeah. Um, so I, I used to know before my teacher what I was going to play. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd gone to, to music courses and summer schools and things. I'd take my music um, and the teachers there would guide me and they would say, oh, no, no, this is a better piece. So I, I'd go back to lessons. Oh, no, I'd I play this piece. And my teacher was so lovely. Yeah. He just let me, let me change change pieces. He was really very easy going, which is which is perfect. Nice. Um, and but, but there wasn't much. And, and then I think because of Gary Carr, then there was the echo Sonata. And then I think we played Block Prayer, um, Bottasini Elegy, Reverie, things like that. Uh, but lots of transcriptions, maybe. Vivaldi, excuse me, Sonatas, Marcello Sonatas. But I'd also seen York Edition. Rodney Stafford had started York Edition in 1969. And he commissioned many pieces and, and published all these things. Um, and really that was the inspiration. Even at school, I, I was thinking about starting a publishing company. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I just didn't know how to do it, but I knew mean, sure. he'd done it.
2: Yeah. So yeah. therefore
0: it was possible. Okay. Um, and I, I'd also, I bought a record uh, of the big striker, um, the great Viennese player. Um, he, that, I think I was 17 or 18. I'd gone down to London for a lesson. Um, and I, I bought this, this record. I have no money left for food or drink or anything.
2: <laughs> this is my
0: second bass record. And he was playing Bottasini uh-huh. and he was playing all the pieces. I, I'd seen the music, never heard anybody play it. I didn't know if anybody could, because I certainly couldn't. Yeah. And he was playing it. And I, I worked out, he wasn't superhuman. He was
1: human.
2: Yeah.
0: And if he could do it, I could do it. Right. And all you'd have to do is work out how. Yeah. yeah. But it, so- he showed it was possible.
1: So it seems like both with within your bass playing and with uh, within starting a publishing company, the, you all you needed to know that it was obtainable. Soon mm-hmm. as you realized it was obtainable, you automatically your name was in the hat too. And uh-huh. why shouldn't I also obtain? Um, is this something that was instilled uh, from your from your folks and from your family that uh, there's this really sense of you can do anything empowerment?
0: Yeah, my- but my parents were loving and, and my dad yeah. was quite independent. He okay. he didn't
1: like working
0: for people. He was, he preferred working for himself. And I think that's maybe where I got it from. Sure, sure. Um, but, but I, I don't know, I always had this sort of this feeling I wanted to try and make a difference. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know where it came from or, or anything. Um, but once I found the base, that seemed to be the, the way forward for me. Yeah. Um, and I used to go to summer schools and I'd see what other people were doing. And then I'd want some of that, right? Uh, And and I'm I'm a quick learner, and I I, I listen and I read and um, I take it all in, you know, for any instrument, because I'm always thinking, how can I use that information? What can I do with it? Um, And starting a publishing company that was 1986, and at that time uh, there were no computers. Everything was was hand engraved, which was really expensive. The the other version we used was a thing called NotaSet. Okay. Um, and it's it transfers. So you have the manuscript paper and you have all the, the notes and note heads and sharp notes um, on which you just trace onto the manuscript. Oh, so okay. I, I used to pay someone, that was about $25 a page. So in 1986, it was quite expensive. Yeah. So we had to um, just publish very short pieces because okay. I didn't have any money. Right. Um, and then also, you know, you suddenly have all these pieces, how do you sell them? No, I no idea
1: at all. Um, <laughs> so, so what's, what's what's the house like during this time? You just have sheet music and books and boxes of books. Well, uh, it hasn't everywhere,
0: changed.
2: yeah,
0: it hasn't changed. Ask my wife. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> I'm I'm always working on 25 projects. Sure, sure. No, I. Me too. Me too. Yeah, which
0: which I really enjoy. I, I like the variety.
1: I you know similar. I like the variety, and then I, I think I don't know when to say stop. And just let me let me get these done before I add on something else because I always have an idea about the next thing without, uh, you know, making well, sure I'll the first one's many, fully many wrapped project. up. And
0: then what I will do is, is one day I have to finish two or three things. Okay. I have to get them finished. Yeah. And um, so I'll then focus on those until they're finished and I'll start another 10 projects.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Um, but I enjoy <laughs> it. It's, um, yeah, there, there's always something interesting, I, I find. Sure. What are the projects right now? Which What are you working on right now?
0: I've just decided to start publishing some Baroque music. We don't okay. publish much Baroque music. And I think there's a lot of really fantastic sonatas which will work well for bass. Not Maybe not um, Marcello or Vivaldi, something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe which are not so well known. Um, and now we're working with, with um, double baseball publications. It's so easy to have both piano parts and both tunings, yeah, um, and have a bass part with fingerings and bowings, and a bass part which is clean. Sure, because um, it's just a download now. It's, it's everything is 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 changing, which is is really good for me. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that one. Um, Bottasini, I've got some Bottasini things um, still to publish um, because I studied in Prague. I'm mm-hmm. really interested in Czech music and finding lots of old Czech pieces which either nobody knows about. Or have never been published so i'm working on music by Kukinka. who um i think last last year he would have been 150. oh wow um, which is is interesting and i've got copies of manuscripts music by cherny
1: where, where do you where do you come across these uh, old manuscripts
0: well the, some of the czech ones are when i started in prague okay um, so I, they make copies for me um and then, yeah. You know, sometimes you buy them. Sometimes I find it online. Okay, sometimes okay. I'll mention it to a friend. So oh, I've got a piece copy of that. And as long as it's had a copyright, right. And I'm quite happy because um, some of this music I, I think deserves a second chance. Sure. There's some nice music out there. but it's, it's
1: not all Mozart. It's not all Beethoven. But it's still it's still good music. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's an attraction. I know i'm personally attracted to things that aren't the first stop you know Mm -hmm. like if it's whatever the kind of the other thing is that's probably the thing i'm more interested in i always want to know what's what's kind of on the side over here not whatever everybody else is doing so i feel like there's you know there's there's going to be some people that are going to be interested in playing all that uh and listening to it because it's you know it's just something else
0: yeah because everybody made a difference
1: yeah absolutely
0: samando was a great one getting uh friends to, to write rap, write pieces for bass yeah and he, and he wrote uh original repertoire he transcribed a lot of music mm-hmm. um and you know for, for every Mozart there has to be lots of Dittersdorfs and Van Hals and Schwergers. sure you know it's, it's just how it is right um but Dittersdorf wrote some lovely music very happy you know very well-crafted music Van Hal is as close to Mozart as we get as bass players yeah it's fantastic yeah. I, I, I like um and certainly if they're bass player composers because they've all made a difference to where we are today
1: absolutely absolutely
0: and I, I think that's fascinating and i i, I like celebrating yeah uh, these forgotten bass yeah. player
1: composers i, I
0: think it, yeah, it, it cost me a bit of time that's all
1: yeah yeah it's but it's uh what when i was on your website uh recitalmusic.net uh i got that right yeah i got that right (laughs) i want to make sure (laughs) (laughs) i was on it's a very extensive catalog of music um and then i really liked the the page on bass history Mm. i was reading through that a lot because that uh that music and that all that stuff is not something i'm well versed in you know that much i've I've played a little bit of it here and there and I'm kind of looking just so that, you know, I don't get atrophy and can kind <laughs> of keep things together a little bit. Uh, but that's not, that's not what I do, you know, professionally. Um, but I'm so, I was excited about your passion for it because it's, I have uh, what I maybe is a similar passion as it relates to, you know, American music and jazz and the history and the people that, aren't maybe the most popular names but they're all part of the lexicon of it all and they've all influenced someone in some way and they're all they're all a part of this and that uh, that's all really exciting to me i i really nerd I've, out I've, on all that now, stuff i've always been fascinated by by the history
0: by the yeah. players the composers I, i'm never interested in in bases I, I don't care who it's made by or what <laughs> yeah. it's made of. You know, that, that's not my passion yeah, my passion is, is is the repertoire and the the, the players and composers yeah um, and that that started i think quite quite early probably in my teens. really i was always reading always interested yeah um, and i was always writing um i yeah i'm a, a musician i'm not a writer but i've done so much of it i've, I've got a um some kind of idea how to write that sure um, I, when i read a professional writers i can i can see the the technique there which i don't have yeah um, but I'm, I'm okay. It's 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 yeah. It could be could be worse. Um, <laughs> and, but then the internet changed everything.
2: Sure. Everything.
0: Because suddenly I was able to, to write what I wanted. Um, and on, on, I went onto Facebook. I, I was never going to go onto Facebook, and my daughter signed me up for it. Okay. And it's the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> and if you use it properly, it's fantastic. Yeah. It I puts think- you in contact with so many people, sure. people like yourself all yeah. over the world.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, I, I think so, too. I mean, any of that stuff. And it's, I guess, like anything in the world, it's whatever you want it to be. You can find that there. You know, exactly. if you want it to be a way to connect with peers and people that are like minded. Great. You can find that if you want to use, you know, the power of the Internet for evil. You can find that there, too. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So it's it's whatever you want it to be. You can you can pretty much find the things there. Uh, I, I, I wrote a
0: series called a history of the base in a hundred pieces mm-hmm. um when, when i'm driving around i always have the radio on which is is my passion okay uh, and we have a, a bbc radio station called radio 4 which is 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 quite serious um and i think the director of the british museum in london um he did a series called a history of the world in a hundred hundred items okay. and he just chose a hundred items from their collections and, and did a 15 minute piece about it on radar and it's absolutely fascinating because you never knew what it was going to be it right. could be anything you know it could be a thousand years old it could be 50 years old it, it's it was absolutely fascinating so i decided to write a history of the base in 100 pieces okay um, and i just chose a hundred interesting pieces with a story to tell yeah um, you know some are well known some are standard repertoire some are things that i like um, yeah. um and I did that. Then I started doing um History of the base and a hundred transcriptions. Okay. I, I think that one's only got to about twenty-five or something. i sort of lost interest. <laughs> in um, and then I've been writing blogs for Base Magazine online. Okay. I've probably done about twenty blogs there. Oh, cool. Um, and the, the the most recent one is about Edward Nanny, who was yeah. um, he taught in Paris Conservatoire.
1: Yeah, uh, I was playing did, through his. uh, was it twenty twenty yeah. to book yeah, the, yeah, the virtuoso really one? Yeah. Well, this year he would have been one hundred and fifty. Oh wow!
0: So so therefore, I just edited his uh, concerto That's okay. going on onto the site in February. Cool, um, and then some other things, um, and and they did an Andy Warhol because I think the picture I send them of nanny was quite small. Yeah. Um, so they did about eight, all in different colors. It's
1: fascinating. <laughs> I, I wish I
0: had that skill to do that. Nanny into the 60s, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's fantastic.
0: But again, Edward Nanny was important. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not Ravel or Debussy, but even mm. so, he's, he's part of part of us and where we, we came from. Sure. And a sure. lot of the the, the studies and, and etudes,
1: it it's still valuable today. I think all of it is. Yeah yeah i think absolutely all of it is i think some of the fingerings are a little old-fashioned um but but not
0: all some are some are still relevant today
1: okay i don't i can't recall what they were in that book i've due to an unfortunate uh ex-roommate <laughs> debacle all my stuff was in storage and he didn't pay the bill and like all my stuff got auctioned <laughs> off and so with that a bunch of my uh two books and and base books and stuff left me some years ago um so I don't remember the fingerings, but I remember, I remember it taught me a lot. That, that just that first piece of the virtuoso uh, mm. just really taught me how to shift. Yeah, let's C, mean, major that, yeah, yeah, no, yeah C major. Yeah, just C major, just like sixteenth yeah. notes up and down. That yeah, I really got shifting together from that one, and some shifting exercises mm. I was working on at the time
0: during the first lockdown. It's two years ago now. Um, I I think we had a three week holiday before I started teaching. So I just got all my study books out, things I had not used for, for years and years. And I just, I did three hours a day, just working on studies and pieces. Yeah. And it was a glorious, beautiful weather here. Okay. Um, You know, it was really nice Um, and you couldn't go out. So I lots of time at home. We didn't waste any time traveling, which was, was uh, (laughs) quite nice, but I went to all my study books, you know, by Nanny and all the Czech. Repertoire and uh, Mengele, um, who else? Um, uh, uh, mm-hmm. So it was fascinating. I, I've just done um, Simandle Book Two again. Okay. Which I, I, last time I did that was about nineteen.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it, it, it's fascinating because you know it, I I just love the I just love learning. If I'm sure.
1: honest. Sure. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of cool to go back and and you know just check in. uh, You know. Just play through it again for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, you know, there's there's something rewarding to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at what age did you get to your first professional job?
0: Um, I graduated from the Royal College of Music in
2: 1983
0: mm-hmm. when I was 23. Uh, so, what was before then? I I was teaching. I had a a job two hours a week, and I was in London. And a friend had this job, and she got a um, a job in an orchestra so she said did I want this job and I, of course I said yeah of course I'll take it I'd yeah. never taught before I had no idea what I was doing
2: yeah
0: it, it was it was a really quite a tough school if I'm honest okay um, and I was, I was terrified every time I walked through the school gates <laughs> it was amazing uh, but the kids were great you know and I, I learned quickly and I, I, I learned um, that I have a passion for teaching mm-hmm. and I think I'm not so bad at it yeah, um, and I can enthuse, um, and I, I'm never lost for something to say. Um, and it, I hope that my passion for the bass comes true. Sure. To my I, I'm sure to them, he just they can't believe how enthusiastic I am at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm teaching tomorrow at eight o'clock, and at eight thirty we have a bass ensemble. Okay. Um, and by by eight thirty, I'm buzzing. I'm like, wow, I can't believe this. Yeah. I'm yeah. so excited.
1: Is that all natural? You got some coffee in you? What's happening there? What's that? You got some coffee? You got some coffee, or is this all just natural enthusiasm? I, well, I both. I
2: but yeah. I, I, like, I like coffee as
0: well. Yeah, I always take coffee with me.
1: <laughs> good, yeah. good. Yeah, I don't know anybody that's naturally enthusiastic uh, <laughs> at 8 30 in the morning. Oh, I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you started the publishing company in '86. Hmm. Is yeah. that correct? Okay. Uh, I just come
0: back from Prague. I, I studied. The first time with Francis Poshta in Prague. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I brought some music back from me, which wasn't available in the West. Um, and then I, a friend and I just sort of started putting it together and then he, he put a bit of money in to help me. Okay. Um, but then just backed away. He, he wasn't interested. He was a, a doctor, a neurologist. Okay. And it's a bass player. Um, so I, I then just took it on and just little by little, just, just built it up. Uh, but for a long long time not much happened yeah and but then I, I, I you know i met other people who were publishing and i learned from them and we talked you know what we've got right what we've got wrong how to improve things um, and they just went from there to, um what yeah. what
1: how i don't know anything about that process what is what is that process like if you have a piece of sheet music and you want to publish it through your publishing company uh Besides registering it with a copyright, uh, is that a tedious process or or what else is there well, the to first get it thing published
0: is, is there a copyright attached to the music in the first place? Sure of course
1: um, if, if there isn't, it's really easy it's, it's public
0: domain oh yeah um, but if it's if it's a piece of Mozart which you've edited, mm-hmm. um, then Mozart is out of copyright, but your edition is still copyright right. But also, the copyright laws we have in Europe are different to the ones in the US.
1: Mm. I didn't so know So, there, that there are lots
0: lots of different things. When we first started, it used to be life plus 50 years. Um, okay. But then it changed to 70 years. So, some pieces we published suddenly went back into copyright. Mm. Um, but I, I think it was just more trouble than it was worth to do anything about it. So, they, think- they just.
1: Yeah, yeah, it seems like uh, such a niche thing that I don't feel like you know too many people are going to come knocking on your door about it. Uh, if well, there's if, some kind of crossover, if, if, yeah, if it's
0: Andrew Lloyd Webber or Paul McCartney, right. <laughs> sure, big money, right. Double bass right.
1: music,
0: yeah, you know, it's, it's not big money. You're yeah, really. no, no, like,
1: no, no. I think <laughs> I think <laughs> what would probably happen is like, really, <laughs> that stuff's copywritten. <laughs>
0: That's what I think they'd say. <laughs> but, I, but I do wait for things to come out of copyright Okay. Um, because um, Prokofiev is uh, I, think, I think 1954 so that's end of uh, 2024 um, so he's what I'm looking for um, and there are a couple of others I, I, I can't remember
1: who else um, but yeah you just wait
0: yeah. to come out of copyright
1: yeah um, what, when, when looking at your website Um, and let's take someone like me, and I'm also asking because of me. But someone else that might hear this and go by the website. There's so much sheet music. There's and there's stuff for bass players. Obviously, on there, solo double bass, all these things. Where to start? Where Where would you recommend if if I don't have a teacher giving me direction or kind of prescribing something? Who knows? You know the skill level. If I have a fair understanding about how I can play and what I can Mm. accomplish, where to start? What would be some like maybe some 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 of the pieces you'd recommend for like an intermediate? uh, You know, some that are in the intermediate category, and then some that are in the advanced category, and some that are in the virtuoso category.
0: Yeah, I I always revert back to the the grade system Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's such a good system. It because, seems like it's uh, way
1: more detailed than yeah, beginner yeah, intermediate. Something based. like grade, I think grade six has uh,
0: the elephant. Okay. Uh, so you'll have thirty pieces round about that level. Yeah. Give or take. So if you can play that, um you you then look for things which are sort of grade six. Okay. Grade seven, grade seven will be a little
1: bit more challenging, maybe kaputzi concerto. Mm-hmm. So um There's uh, there's two, right? One in D major and what's the other one? F major. Well, the D major is the original. D major
0: uh, the is the original. F
2: major,
0: yeah, the F major was, was done by Francis Baines. Okay. Um, who was a, a British player. And he went into early music. Uh, okay. He was a pioneer of that. Um, but in his day, D major just seemed a little bit too low. Yeah. Um, and G major just seemed a little bit too high. Okay. Because uh, F major is such a horrible key to playing.
2: <laughs>
0: and, and I, I, rem- I remember learning that one when I was I was learning. At uh, the F major, yeah, and it's it's just it's an orchestral player's key that one. Yeah, it just it it doesn't quite work because if you're in G major, you've got harmonics and open strings. Sure. In F major, you have none of them. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's it's a strange key, but again, it's 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 a nice little piece. Yeah, um, and if you if you like F major, play it in F majors. Yeah, uh, I, I, I studied. I did both because I had D major with one teacher, F major with another. Okay. Uh, but again, he, he was another passionate one who who decided to uh, define this piece that nobody else knew about, okay. um, and create an edition. Yeah. Do, do you know the uh, Bark Suites arranged by Samuel yeah. Sterling? Mm-hmm. May nineteen fifties.
1: Yeah, but How there's are, have- there's two keys, right? There's two keys that like there's uh, what the original and then the the other ones, the other yeah. version that's like a fourth lower or something.
0: Yeah. Well, Sam Sterling was uh, an orchestral bass player. Um, and he, he, I don't know how many hundreds of hours he spent working out the, the right keys for these suites mm-hmm. um, and then make it, transcribing them for a, a bass player in the 1950s. Yeah. And he found a publisher. So okay. they've been in, in print since probably the late 1950s. Yeah. Um, and so I'm absolutely astounded that, you know, he's typical of the bass world, or um, we fanatics who just spend all this time. <laughs> um, because there's no hope of, of, of great wealth or riches for any yes no, us. no. Um, but he just wanted to do it yeah and I, I think it's fantastic
1: yeah I mean I think uh you know so, so much of this all it's all that you know it's all a labor of love uh, yeah. the, the the three hours in the in the practice room that's a labor of love you know this podcast a labor of love exactly uh, it's all it's all just because you got to be around it you know, and want, talk to other, to, to other people that my, are passionate about it.
0: Yeah. I'm always aiming for my students to play Botticini because that's, that's suddenly when they realize why they practiced mm-hmm. because suddenly, yes, this Botticini Allegro is the first easy virtuoso piece they play.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: and suddenly they can use the entire range of the bass. Yeah, and it's,
2: it's,
0: it's, it's still challenging, but it's such a good piece that it's worth the effort. Yeah. Um, and that's the first one really where they. They really feel
1: like they've achieved something. Yeah, I feel uh, like I've never played it. Um, huh? I've heard it countless times and have several different recordings of it, uh, but I've never dug into it. I feel like that is the standard of mm-hmm. kind of like okay, you got the Boccherini together, cool. Like now, now you can move on to some really high advanced, but yeah. that's the the Botticini that uh, that's really the gateway. Mm. But so he, he was
0: amazing, Botticelli, because sure. he changed how we play the bass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, before him, everything was scales and arpeggios and a few little harmonics. Yeah, and, and then suddenly he was singing on the bass and using all these these harmonics that nobody had
1: used before. Right. So Absolutely. that was all new Absolutely. information. I know you're you're definitely more knowledgeable about the mm. that history than I am. So that all that was new information. Uh, that he he brought out? Mm. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, uh, he
0: graduated from the Milan conservatory, I think he graduated early
1: mm-hmm. uh, and
0: a friend of his, uh, Arditi, Luigi Arditi, was a violinist and composer. He said that Bottasini was fully formed when he left conservatory, he said he, he wasn't, he'd never got any better. The only thing he gained was experience.
1: Wow.
0: Isn't that amazing? Wow. Yeah. Man. But, but he was a real superstar of his day. He was, I, I was reading about him the other day. Um, and in a concert, you'd only play a couple of pieces because it had lots of soloists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'd have a very long concert to be maybe a symphony, concerto, core things, soloists. Um, and there was one, um, I think there were two singers and they were used to being the, the stars of the concerts and yet Bottasini got more applause <laughs> and, he, and he had to keep going. And they were furious at the yeah. bass player. Had more applause than they did. Sure, sure. And I think he was quite humble. I think he was, he, was, he was. I think he just played beautifully and fantastically. Yeah, I, I don't think he was a diva or anything like that. I think he was, from what I've read, I think he was just a really decent chap.
1: That, that's amazing. I never, I haven't done any kind of uh, research on him as a person or profiling. Uh, you know, understanding what is. You know, I know, I know the the main pieces that he's written and that's
0: yeah but that, i, I think that's, that's a good way in and i think it's interesting because i i always tell my students it, you know that they, they get so bored yeah uh, and uh, okay what are we playing today Botticini. okay tell me five things about botesini
2: yeah oh no I, mean, <laughs> I, make
0: them, I make them tell me five things yeah. and uh, I had a new student from um, malaysia okay. um, and, and he was doing a study by Nanny i think he was doing the first for a choice of study. Okay, so tell me five things about Edward Manning. Yeah. So I've done this four hundred times. And he had to go in for an assessment to play these pieces. And the, the adjudicator said, Okay, so tell me about Edward Manning. Yeah. And that I said, Thank you, that's ten bottles of wine to me. That's <laughs> fantastic. That's why I do it. <laughs> 10, uh, Ten. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, and he keeps uh, I, he sent me a christmas card and he said i haven't bought you the wine yet yeah. uh, but it, I, I think it's so important that we know where we've come from yeah yeah uh, i agree but but I, i'm sure you're the same you know sometimes people talk to you after a concert and you feel like such an idiot if you've got no idea about anything you've just played
1: yeah That that happened to me a few weeks ago. I was doing a jazz duo gig with a guitar player. And uh, someone asked me, like, what was not the last one you played, but the one right before that? What was that? And I just look at the guitar player. I'm like, uh, hmm, do you remember? (laughs) Like, like it took us, you know, not a long time. But when you're standing there thinking and it's dead air, 20 seconds feels like a long time. Like, just trying to, you know.
0: Yeah. So I, I test them all the time. Even the young ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, tell me five things about, Yeah, uh, and I, I just think it, it's amazing then. Cause I, I said later in life, you will really email me and say, thank you so much. Sure. Because I was playing this piece and afterwards, somebody asked
2: me yeah. about the
1: composer and I had five yeah. bits of information. Yeah. 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 What um, did do, do you, is that how, how, How deep does that go? Did like any information, like where they were born when they died or five pieces?
0: Things like Bottasini. So he was Italian. Yeah. Um, He was 19th century. Mm -hmm. He he wrote operas. Yeah. Um, He wrote lots of pieces of double bass. He's called the Paganini of the double bass. Who was Paganini? What does the Paganini of the double bass mean? Right. He he played the bass like a violin. He was the greatest um, bass player. Like Paganini was the greatest violin. Just little things, just as a starting point.
1: Now I'm I'm always fascinated by the innovators of the mm-hmm. instrument. What was, um, and I'm not saying this to like put you on the spot or <laughs> uh, challenge your Botticini knowledge, but was his one of his parents a violin player, or where did he get this lyricism that was in his blood? He must have absorbed that from another instrument. Yeah, his, he his was father, close. His
0: father was a composer and a clarinetist. Okay, um, and Botticini he played violin first. Ah. Um, and he went um, for a, He went to the Milan Conservatoire, the scholarships, two scholarships, mm. one for, I think, bassoon and one for bass. Okay. And because he'd been a string player, he thought um, he'd try the, the, the bass. Yeah. And so he had a few lessons and then went and played. And there's a famous story that he, he went and played for the, the panel and he said, gentlemen, I know I'm playing out of tune, but when I know where to put my fingers, I won't play out of tune again. <laughs> and, and they said he didn't. Is
1: that amazing? <laughs> what, what I also love is, um, I believe, if I remember what I've researched, hmm. which there's another problem I have is retention. But um, the, the jazz innovator, Jimmy Blanton, who was the first one to solo, you know, take bass solos, also a violin player first oh really Uh, yeah and i think that uh i'm fascinated by that connection Mm. you know especially with bottesini because
0: he was 19th century italy everything was opera right um so he spent his whole life in the opera house whether composer conductor bass player so he was surrounded by opera right um so that that must have have rubbed off on him
1: as well no absolutely he just absorbed all that and you know hearing all the singers you know and hearing just this incredibly lyrical Mm. all these melody lines all the time yeah and that, that had to have, he must have just soaked that up yeah. That's fascinating. I,
0: I, I found a lot of my students come from the cello mm. um, and it's amazing how they're not bad cellists but you put a bass in their hands and you can just see their bass players okay they, they just it, it just suits them yeah I've I just I've just got a, a new student um and she's a harp player and the cello um, and she's much better on cello than she is on bass She's a bass player through and through. Yeah. She's got the right um, mentality,
1: attitude. Um, right. She just
0: looks so right with the bass.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just she, always, she feels more comfortable with it? Like, does she. Yeah, she's just, fine. She she
0: sent me a lovely Christmas card and she said, um, thank you for showing me what a brilliant instrument the bass is. Nice. Isn't <laughs> nice. that nice?
2: Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I was really worried,
0: you know, because you're coming from the cello, which is all this fantastic repertoire, makes this beautiful sound. Sure. And she's coming to the base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I usually apologize to the parents. I'm I'm so sorry. It's so a bass player. Because yeah. it affects them, doesn't it? They have to sure. carry the bass round.
1: Sure. Whatever. You got to go buy one or yeah, rent exactly. one or whatever they're going to do. Yeah. 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 Probably get we, a new car to get fitted in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So the the student it doesn't affect them at all, but the parent Yeah. Yeah. They're the ones who have to make all the judgments. Right. Like, right. Hmm. right. What are some uh, What are some of your favorite pieces you like to introduce students to? Um, I'm a with, great... with besides the Boccherini, because yeah, that's
0: the... I, I like a lot of contemporary music or music written now of, okay. of, of our time. I think there's some fantastic music being written, and I'm a great friend. What's a great friend of Teppo uh Finnish bass player. He died in uh, November. He was 80. Oh, wow. We were great friends, but. 20-odd years. And and we both studied in Prague with the same teacher, Poshta. And um, he was there in the 1960s, I was there in the 1980s. And Teppo's written more pieces for bass than anybody alive. It's, it's amazing. Wow. Um, and he was a jazz player, classical, improviser, contemporary, okay. and he put all those things into his music. Interesting. Um, and it really resonates with the students. Yeah. They absolutely love it. And sometimes I've got students who may be a little bit more like jazz. So I can find them pizzicato pieces by Tepo. Yeah, but I, I just, I just love introducing things which sometimes maybe not so well known. Yeah, which is, is is fascinating. But I I love the solo repertoire because if it's just solo bass, you are the soloist and the accompanist at the same time. Right. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah. So you have to tell a story because there's no one else there to do it. Right. You have to find a way. Of, of making this music sing, of finding the architecture of the piece, how it fits together, how how you communicate it to an audience. And also with a lot of contemporary music, there's a lot more space for color, color no. atmosphere, which I like.
1: How do you go about uh, communicating that to students, to uh, teaching the storytelling elements? I think it's, it's just... You introduce it, um, you know, the first couple
0: of lessons, um, just so they understand that they're telling a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've only got the two hands; we haven't got any words, right. so we have to think how we use the bow, bow speed, uh, bow placement, um, vibrato, um, the width of the vibrato, the sure. amplitude. So there are lots of different things. Um, learning to breathe—you know—you have to breathe at some point, and it's just working out. I I wrote a piece called Sahara. It was a piece used for a competition in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it stays in bass clef, but you wouldn't think it stayed in bass clef because it sounds more interesting than that. Hmm. And the first four notes, are just pizzicato notes. De-da-da-da. And I played to a student and I say, this is how I meant it. Um, and that's just a silence. They can't believe that with four notes, yeah. you grab the audience by the throat. sure, And they suddenly, wow, wow. That's what I can do. I can do that. I was talking tonight. I was, I'd written a piece, um, called George meets Tapo. This is for Helsinki. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it uses Collegno, Salt Ponticello, um, harmonics, false harmonics, things like that. So I was talking a lot about color. Um, a lot of my music is, is sexualized, quite small chunks of music, and then something else, something else. And it's how you put it together. And that's your job as the musician is how you, you tell the story, and and where the uh, full stops and commas are. You don't say sure. full stop. Is it period? Yeah,
1: okay. yeah. yeah. But it. But you have to punctuation. Where the punctuation. Yeah, but is. you have
0: to have full stops and commas. Yeah. You know, it doesn't just keep going. You have to learn where to breathe. You have to learn where to generate, maybe just hold it a little bit more. Um, and then why do I? I'm always talking about color. Always talking about because the audience do recognize it. They might not know what it is. They might not know what they're hearing, yeah. but they can recognize there's, there's something here, sure. which is special. Um, yeah. And if you, if you introduce that when they're quite young, it stays with them. It's, it's They're always thinking about, about color and sound and communication.
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I absolutely <laughs> agree. Um, cool, so what's, what's, the, what's the next thing on your, uh, what's the next thing you're gonna get off your list? What are you wrapping up here currently the next one i've just
0: started a new piece i started it on thursday okay and that's uh, a solo piece it's called a song for teppo okay as i mentioned he yeah. died in november um and i started and it's it's i think it's going in the wrong direction i played i played it again today I, yeah it's it's suddenly become too big okay. um, i don't i don't want it. it it's it's quite sad it's in b minor but it has a nice resonance about it yeah um, but it it, it, yeah, it, it, it's, I think it's going in the wrong direction. It's, it's, um, so I'll keep the core of it, which is, is, I like, and then just get rid of that bit and then start again. I, I always take it when I'm teaching, I'm teaching tomorrow, and I always take my music with me because I might have five minutes or 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and that's brilliant. I, I have a fantastic big teaching room and it's quite conducive to composing. I, I do a lot of my composing. Oh, nice. Um, I just put it on the music stand and if there's no student there, I'll just get it out and, and try it and
1: see where it's going. So that, that's the next one. And then I, I've got no idea. you compose piece. on the bass or do you compose on the piano? Usually on the bass. Okay. I,
0: I like, but someone, one of my people I was asking today where the ideas come from. So I've got no idea.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the, the one just
0: came, came in and B minor. Yeah. That was so strange. Um, I, I don't usually i use it like an a minor
1: okay because i get the really open a
0: string and harmonics and sure left hand pizzicato but b minor is a, a slightly different feel yeah. by, i nearly always use a, a flattened seventh okay. which i'm sure it's a,
1: a mode or something yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, but, but uh-huh. I, I like
1: a flattened seventh uh just in in any scale i mean that could they could yeah, be a couple of modes I, many
0: of my pieces have flattened sevens
1: okay well what's going on with the thirds the, th- the
0: third i'm no idea
1: <laughs> i wish i knew I mean, maybe you're, maybe you're just writing in uh, you know sus sus chords i'm sure i am I'm you know, sure I with, am. A, with this dominant dominant seven sus chord i
0: tell you, I tell you what, maybe i'm a genius and don't yeah. Know
1: it. <laughs> yeah perfect Perfect. But what's
0: interesting is, is, is talking to jazz people is, is you, you have far more knowledge of all these things than we do as a classical player. I just play what's on the page. Sure. Um, so it's, it's always fascinating talking to a jazz player. Um, because you are, you are quite analytical and you oh, know yes. so much more about what you're doing than we do.
2: Well,
0: it's fascinating.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I kind of just want to make a jazz joke, and like we like to talk like we know what we're <laughs> doing, you know. We like, we like we like to analyze what everybody else is doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows if yeah. we know what we're doing?
0: Yeah. Well, I always say I know nothing.
1: It's yeah. that's the best way, isn't it? Man, that's sure. yeah. At the end of the day, it's all the same. We're all just trying to get something out there, you know. Yeah. Play something. I,
0: I, I always say that every day. I try my best. Yeah and i fail every day of my life because i'm, <laughs> I'm a human being but i'll get yeah. up tomorrow and i'll try
1: my best to get tomorrow that's it man i, I mean do you're, you're doing some things right you're doing some things right you have uh thank you yeah it's looking good what uh, besides the recital music.net what uh, and teaching uh, what mm-hmm. are you doing performance wise last
0: year i didn't have one concert well, I don't.
1: Nobody did.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it was amazing. And this year they've they, they started coming. It, no, it was nice because I've I've travelled since nineteen eighty five. Okay. Internationally. Yeah. Um, and I I I really didn't know how much travelling I'd been doing and how tired I was until this lockdown. Yeah. You know, before lockdown, um, we've been to Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland, Belgium. I should have been in Moscow. Visa problems. I couldn't get there. I should have been in Italy because of COVID. I couldn't get there. And that was just in the first three months of, of 2020. Yeah. Um, and so suddenly to have time was glorious. Right. Um, but the concerts have started coming in again this year, which is really nice. And I enjoy, my wife is a singer, professional singer. Okay. So we work together a lot. Nice. Um, and I like finding opportunities where I can uh, get my students to come and play. Sure sometimes the younger ones it gives them an opportunity sometimes like students who come back and we work as a duo or or something I'm, I'm back in italy in uh, june teaching and playing okay. at the institute which is nice um and then there are a couple more later this year which haven't been confirmed um so there's always something which I'm, I'm i'm putting a uh, recording together of three bases uh, me bass player from america bass player from turkey okay uh, but is it, you can't make many
1: plans still. It's, it's quite yeah, difficult, I isn't know. it? I know. You don't know oh. how it's all going yeah. to shake. I mean, you guys over there in the UK, I think uh, you guys are probably, you're starting to draw some lines and be like, okay, we're not, you know.
0: You well, start, we're opening up a lot more now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and just, and that, I think uh, the
1: rest of the world is taking notice of that. Yeah, just learning hopefully. to live with it. Yeah.
0: Because at some point, we have to learn to live
1: with this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think the thing—it's uh it's not going anywhere. You know, we just—we have to coexist with it uh, on some. Well, way. we went to the cinema the other day,
0: and uh, and we still we still wore masks
1: yeah, inside, sure. and
0: uh, and I—I I think I've only been to the cinema twice since the first lockdown. Okay, so it was the second time. Um, so we, we're still a bit cautious, um but it's yeah, things are okay. Things are not so bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Dude th- david thanks so much thanks for taking oh, the time to welcome. do this yeah i appreciate Thank it uh, stay you, on the line though there's something i want to talk to you about but we'll uh, yeah. well for my editor we'll end the episode here um is it cool if i put links to your site on the base shed so they can Thank go you. yes please i'll oh, do okay. the
2: site
1: i don't have uh i mean what i really do with the bass shed. The podcast was kind of an afterthought. The first thing is I transcribe uh, jazz bass lines and solos, uh, and then uh, stuff for electric bass. You know, James Brown bass lines, uh, Motown stuff, whatever. But it's a transcription website.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, so yeah, but uh, I don't have a lot of other than my transcriptions. There's not much out there for the double bass. But I would like to, uh, if you're comfortable yeah. with it. And you teach as well i i do this um you know teaching bass in los angeles is difficult maybe america i don't know everybody goes to youtube nobody seems to find value in having um a one-on-one teacher i mean i started teaching professionally when i was 17 so i started teaching young and then um when i got into doing the online internet mm. thing i did not want to teach beginner bass lessons anymore mm. like i just i can't do it i can't i don't i'm not excited about that and so if i'm not gonna be excited then i'm going to be a, a, a bad teacher
0: you know I, I when i first started teaching you have to teach all comers yeah so there are lots of beginners sure um, and one of my first teaching jobs was five mini bases okay. um, because they realized they had no no bass players so they started right. the young, which is a great way um and then for many years i didn't teach beginners yeah and then over the last five six seven years i've inherited a few beginners and i love it really Be- because now i don't follow the rules
1: right you
0: know so they're, they're playing in neck block positions really quickly and they're yeah. learning about harmonics and they're learning about coleño um yeah. and i can write them a piece right so, so it, it's it's not boring. Like it was when I first started teaching.
1: Right. Right. When you're taking someone through some handle or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so, so I, now I love it and I, I'm going to start a foundation. That's my next plan really. Mm, um, and, the, and part of it will be uh mini Okay. It's to offer free lessons to, you know, maybe four players a year. Yeah. Um, and do that for 10 years. Okay. Um, and so the, the four of them, and then they graduate on to the second year and then another four another four sure um just because the beginners need more help the 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 more you advance the more help there is already for you
1: yeah how many how much do you run into um students i mean as electric bass players they can find things online mm. everywhere whether the information is the best or not uh they're just going to find it free on youtube do you mm. run into that a lot on double bass too no, not at all. Yeah, I didn't think uh, so.
0: No, it, it's it's different. It's um, I think people appreciate the one-to-one tuition. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's a lot more expensive. Sure. Um. But they get value for money because um, they're in the same room as you and they're getting all the the right information.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. And I, and I love teaching. I, I absolutely love it. I taught three students. I had two adults today and a. Uh, I think 14, 15 year fifteen-year-old. Okay, and it's, a, it's amazing. They all play my music. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, You know, I, I don't, I don't make them play my music. They right. choose to if they want to. That's cool. Uh, but it was, it was so nice. To, you know, they were all doing
1: something different. Yeah. Um.
0: But yeah. I, I can. I, I think can that's talk about So many thing, more things than just technique.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah, I think that they really uh, you know get some get some drive. The, uh, my, my approach is similar to yours, except I don't write the music, but I think if you want to be a great, let's say, electric bass player, the the best way to be great is study with the greats, right? That's what yeah. anybody yeah. would go to a conservatory for or whatever because the electric bass is such a young instrument mm. but it has progressed so quickly. Yeah. Um, you're going to find your school on records. So mm. that's why I transcribe. It's like, let's really dig into... How some of these geniuses created their bass lines and did yeah, this stuff yeah. and we'll talk about technique um but they i don't know i don't know what it is it's there's something about the electric bass that they just want a quick payoff
0: i, I think the electric bass i i think you can teach yourself to get to a, a fair level with, sure. with no effort yeah whereas a string instrument like a bass yeah it doesn't work
1: like that no, it does not work like that. Yeah. It's because so much of the electric bass is done for you. You tune yeah. the string, then it's in tune yeah. Yeah. you know you, you, you soon as you finger the note here, you just generated a sound because the pickup generates the sound, you're you not producing the, the sound, sound because, yeah, yeah, you're not the producing it, does it for you. Yeah. yeah yeah, exactly, yeah. so it's mm. um there's this quick payoff mentality, and that comes across with all the students too is they just want to be their hero yeah uh, because they haven't really worked out you know just just how to stand with the instrument i remember Mm -hmm. learning double bass i just had to practice yeah standing with it you Mm. know just everything's balanced everything's comfortable okay keep this straight blah blah blah. like i had to just practice my stance yeah
0: yeah there's there's so much with a, a string instrument to learn it's a lifetimes um work really isn't
1: it yeah yeah it's uh, all of it is and then you get into music I think
0: that's what I like.
1: it's ah. all,
0: everything is always interesting it, it is it's endlessly fascinating to me yeah it is, it and, is. I, I, and i'm always learning something new and that's what i enjoy
2: yeah
0: and that I, I i know nothing really yeah um, but I'm, I'm still willing to learn and that's, that's what i enjoy
1: well i have you here What would be, uh, give me a piece, give me a piece to start on. And then I want to have a lesson with you. I want you to check in on my, my classical play. Uh, Yeah. I'll I'll send you a piece. Okay. Yeah. Send me a piece. I'll
0: I'll, I'll send you a couple of pieces. Okay. um, And we'll just do a
1: lesson. And I'll, yeah. 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 I'd like to hear. And get your, uh, you know, get a, get a lesson from it because I've, I've been, I've been dusting off the bow and getting back into it. Um, and i already have the idea for like the next i just wrote a record my first debut record fantastic um so i I got that kind of out of me like all that music's out of me and now my mind's thinking about what the next one's gonna be and i want to incorporate a lot more um a lot more with the bow and do some one thing the thing i would tell my students is
0: if you play badly nobody dies there's
2: no earthquake
0: earthquake. you maybe just play that (laughs) tune. right but to, if you play out of tune, you can learn to play in tune. Yeah. Because so you can work out where not to go. Sure. Because if you go there, it'll be out of tune.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: but nobody dies. So you may as well try your best. Yeah. Nobody dies.
1: Great. Yeah. It's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. We, before you do anything, just ask yourself does anybody die? If the answer <laughs> is yes, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. If the answer oh, is uh, no, give it a I shot. Die a little, I die a little bit inside, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah my ego is obliterated. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you mind if I took a screenshot? No, not at all. Not at all, all right. All right. I will have a little, there will be a little clip of this on uh, YouTube also just to drive traffic to yeah. the podcast because people like the visuals. But yeah, go ahead. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Good. No, it's been great. Uh, man, thank you so much man, my pleasure. It. Let's
0: definitely stay in touch. I, I looked at your website and I thought, why does he ask me? I have nothing, <laughs> nothing in common with any of these people.
1: No, there's a, I have a couple uh, classical players on there. The principal bassist from Brussels. I think she's in Brussels. Uh, assistant principal in Colorado. I studied with him for a little while. Who's that? Um, Nicholas Recuber. No, I didn't know that. He just did did a book of 14. I'll I'll send you a copy to it. He just published a book or had a book published by, uh, I forgot who, Claire Fisher, maybe? Yeah, Carl Fisher. Yeah, Carl Fisher. Uh, yeah. not that long ago, there was something he transcribed. Um, it's fascinating. I haven't played through it yet, but,
0: mm. but this is what's interesting now is so many more people are interested in, in writing for bass, yeah. transcribing for bass. And so it's, it's, it's like a golden age for the instrument. We're so lucky to be part of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great attitude. That's a great attitude. Yeah. And I mean, I really appreciate you doing this because there's, there's only so many times I can talk to an electric bass player and we're going <laughs> to, we're going to talk about the same things, you know? Yeah. Uh, mm. Like, uh, so, I mean, to the point where like I stopped talking to bass players so there's been a couple episodes where like the guys weren't bass players, so I was tired of having the same conversation <laughs> <laughs> this is boring for me <laughs> like whatever uh, yeah. I want to talk to people that I'm excited to talk to that I'm intrigued by, and you're one of them, I appreciate it
0: thank you so much, that has been an absolute pleasure
1: yeah, absolutely man, we'll be in touch yeah. for sure, that's great, but thanks Ryan alright, thanks David I'll see you soon, bye ah, bye-bye All right, folks. That was my talk with David Hayes. Did you catch it? You know, at the setup, I couldn't pronounce the dude's name, the principal of the check, uh, Philharmonic. David mentioned it a few times. I just, I can't. Sometimes I just can't with names. I don't know. It's a mental block. David Hayes is definitely going to be back on the podcast. He sent me some music actually to check out that I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to shed and I'm going to. I'm going to do a little lesson with him. I'm going to have him take a look at my interpretation of some pieces he wrote i'm excited about that um definitely stop by recitalmusic.net uh find some music there that you're interested in there's there's something for everybody um and even electric players you know like i remember back in the day there's like Bach for bass came out there's no reason why not to just hop on board and go check out some just straight up uh, music that was purposed for the double bass and just play it on electric bass so even if you are an electric bassist uh stop by stop by check it out give you give you something new to read you know maybe get you to think about music in a different way work on phrasing in a new way Uh, i like what david had to say about the electric bass and i full fully agree with him just the the instant payoff that that exists with that instrument that does not exist with the double bass i remember back in the day listening to double bassists talk about um these were guys that would double between you know acoustic double bass and electric and how they would talk about how to how to generate a sound on electric, and then after I really got into playing the double bass, taking a lot of those ideas from generating a sound on the instrument first, and not letting, you know, the the bass produce the sound, but I produce the sound. I think that those are things you can take away uh, as an electric player from this, and also shed some of the material for double bass, and think about it that way as it relates to phrasing. Think through fingerings and all the things you would do, vibrato, all the things that. Uh, double basses are thinking about when they're preparing a piece Uh, so there's something here for everybody folks, go to resettlemusic.net check it out, Uh, thanks again to David, if you are enjoying the Bass Shed podcast, please hit subscribe wherever you are listening to it you can find me at facebook.com backslash the bass shed on twitter at Base Shed on Instagram at the base shed. And uh as always, you can email me at Ryan at the base shed with questions, comments, rants, whatever you got. I'm here for it. That's all I got for this one, folks. That's all I got. Uh, thanks for listening, and I will catch you on the next one in a minute.